Section 44 of Micrographia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Micrographia by Robert Hooke. Section 44. Observation 39. Of the eyes and head of a grey drone fly, and of several other creatures. I took a large grey drone fly that had a large head, but a small and slender body in proportion to it, and cutting off its head, I fixed it with the forepart or face upwards upon my object plate. This I made choice of rather than the head of a great blue fly, because my inquiry being now about the eyes, I found this fly to have, first, the biggest cluster of eyes in proportion to his head, of any small kind of flies that I have yet seen, it being somewhat inclining towards the make of the large dragonflies. Next, because there is a greater variety in the knobs or balls of each cluster than is of any small fly. Then examining it according to my usual manner, by varying the degrees of light, and altering its position to each kind of light, I drew that representation of it, which is delineated in the twenty-fourth scheme, and found these things to be as plain and evident as notable and pleasant. First, that the greatest part of the face, nay, of the head, was nothing else but two large and protuberant bunches, or prominent parts, A, B, C, D, E, A, the surface of each of which was all covered over, or shaped into a multitude of small hemispheres, placed in a triagonal order, that being the closest and most compacted, and in that order, ranged over the whole surface of the eye in very lovely rows, between each of which, as is necessary, were left long and regular trenches, the bottoms of every of which were perfectly entire, and not at all perforated or drilled through, which I most certainly was assured of, by the regularly reflected image of certain objects which I moved to and fro between the head and the light, and by examining the cornea or outward skin, after I had stripped it off from the several substances that lay within it, and by looking both upon the inside and against the light. Next, that of those multitudes of hemispheres, there were observable two degrees of bigness, the half of them that were lowermost, and looked towards the ground, or their own legs, namely CDE, CDE being a pretty deal smaller than the other, namely ABCE, ABCE that looked upward and sideways or foreright and backward, which variety I have not found in any other small fly. Thirdly, that every one of these hemispheres, as they seemed to be pretty near the true shape of a hemisphere, so was the surface exceeding smooth and regular, reflecting as exact regular and perfect an image of any object from the surface of them, as a small ball of quicksilver of that bigness would do, but nothing near so vivid, the reflection from these being very languid, much like the reflection from the outside of water, glass, crystal, etc., insomuch that in each of these hemispheres I have been able to discover a landscape of those things which lay before my window, 
one thing of which was a large tree, whose trunk and top I could plainly discover, as I could also the parts of my window, and my hand and fingers, if I held it between the window and the object, a small draught of nineteen of which, as they appeared in the bigger magnifying glass, to reflect the image of the two windows of my chamber, are delineated in the figure three of the twenty-third scheme. Fourthly, that these rows were so disposed, that there was no quarter visible from his head, that there was not some of these hemispheres directed against, so that a fly may be truly said to have an eye every way, and to be really circumspect. And it was further observable, that that way, where the trunk of his body did hinder his prospect backward, these protuberances were elevated, as it were, above the plane of his shoulders and back, so that he was able to see backwards, also over his back. Fifthly, in living flies, I have observed that when any small mote or dust, which flies up and down the air, chances to light upon any part of these knobs, as it is sure to stick firmly to it and not fall, though through the microscope it appears like a large stone or stick, which one would admire, especially since it is no ways probable that there is any wet or gluttonous matter upon these hemispheres. But I hope I shall render the reason in another place. So the fly presently makes use of his two forefeet, instead of eyelids, with which, as with two brooms or brushes, they being all bestuck with bristles, he often sweeps or brushes off whatever hinders the prospect of any of his hemispheres, and then, to free his legs from that dirt, he rubs them one against another, the pointed bristles or tenters, of which looking both one way, the rubbing of them to and fro, one against another, does cleanse them in the same manner, as I have observed those that card wool, to cleanse their cards by placing their cards, so as the teeth of both look the same way, and then rubbing them one against another. In the very same manner do they brush and clean their bodies and wings, as I shall by and by show. Other creatures have other contrivances for the cleansing and clearing their eyes. Sixthly, that the number of the pearls or hemispheres in the clusters of this fly was near fourteen thousand, which I judged by numbering certain rows of them several ways, and casting up the whole content, accounting each cluster, to contain about seven thousand pearls, three thousand of which were of a size, and consequently the rows not so thick, and the four thousand I accounted to be the number of the smaller pearls, next the feet and proboscis. Other animals I observed to have yet a greater number, as the dragonfly or otherwalt, and others to have a much less company as an ant, etc., and several other small flies and insects. Seventhly, that the order of these eyes, or hemispheres, was altogether curious and admirable, they being placed in all kinds of flies, and aerial animals, in a most curious and regular ordination of triangular rows, in which order they are ranged the nearest together, that possibly they can, and consequently leave the least pits or trenches between them. But in shrimps, crawfishes, lobsters, and such kinds of crustaceous water animals, 
I have yet observed them ranged in a quadrangular order, the rows cutting each other at right angles, which as it admits of a less number of pearls in equal surfaces, though have those creatures a recompense made them, by having their eyes a little movable in their heads, which the other altogether want. So infinitely wise and provident do we find all the dispensations in nature, that certainly Epicurus and his followers must very little have considered them, who ascribed those things to the production of chance, that will, to a more attentive considerer, appear the products of the highest wisdom and providence. Upon the anatomy or dissection of the head, I observed these particulars. First, that this outward skin, like the cornea of the eyes of the greater animals, was both flexible and transparent, and seemed, through the microscope, perfectly to resemble the very substance of the cornea of a man's eye. For having cut out the cluster, and removed the dark and mucous stuff that is subjacent to it, I could see it transparent, like a thin piece of skin, having as many cavities in the inside of it, and ranged in the same order as it had protuberances on the outside, and this propriety I found the same in all the animals that had it, whether flies or shellfish. Secondly, I found that all animals that I have observed with those kind of eyes have within this cornea a certain clear liquor or juice, though in a very little quantity. And I observed thirdly, that within that clear liquor they had a kind of dark mucous lining, which was all spread round within the cavity of the clutter, and seemed very near adjoining to it, the colour of which, in some flies, was grey, in others black, in others red, in others of a mixed colour, in others spotted, and that the whole clusters, when looked on whilst the animal was living, or but newly killed, appeared of the same colour that his coat, as I may so call it, appeared of, when that outward skin, or cornea, was removed. Fourthly, that the rest of the capacity of the clusters was in some, as in dragonflies, etc., hollow, or empty, in others filled with some kind of substance, in blue flies with a reddish musculous substance, with fibres, tending from the centre or bottom outwards, and diverse other, with various and differing kinds of substances. That this curious contrivance is the organ of sight to all those various crustaceous animals which are furnished with it, I think we need not doubt, if we consider, but the several congruities it has with the eyes of greater creatures. At first, that it is furnished with a cornea, with a transparent humour, and with a uvea or retina, that the figure of each of the small hemispheres are very spherical, exactly polished and most vivid, lively and plump, when the animal is living, as in greater animals, and in like manner dull, flaccid and irregular, or shrunk, when the animal is dead. Next, that those creatures that are furnished with it have no other organs that have any resemblance to the known eyes of other creatures. Thirdly, that those which they call the eyes of crabs, lobsters, shrimps, and the like, and are really so, are hemisphered, 
almost in the same manner as those of flies are, and that they really are so, I have very often tried, by cutting off these little movable knobs, and putting the creature again into the water, that it would swim to and fro, and move up and down as well as before, but would often hit itself against the rocks or stones, and though I put my hand just before its head, it would not at all start or fly back till I touched it, whereas whilst those were remaining, it would start back, and avoid my hand or a stick at a good distance before it touched it. And if, in crustaceous sea animals, then it seems very probable also that these knobs are the eyes in crustaceous insects, which are also of the same kind, only in a higher and more active element. This the conformity or congruity of many other parts common to either of them will strongly argue their crustaceous armor, their number of legs, which are six, besides the two great claws, which answer to the wings of insects, and in all kind of spiders, as also in many other insects that want wings, we shall find the complete number of them, and not only the number, but the very shape, figure, joints and claws of lobsters and crabs, as is evident by scorpions and spiders, as is visible in the second figure of the thirty-first scheme, and in the little mite-worm, which I call a land-crab, described in the second figure of the thirty-third scheme, but in their manner of generation being oviparous, etc. And it were a very worthy observation whether there be not some kinds of transformation and metamorphosis in the several states of crustaceous water animals, as there is in several sorts of insects, for if such could be met with, the progress of the variations could be much more conspicuous in those larger animals than they can be in any kind of insects our colder climate affords. These being their eyes, it affords us a very pretty speculation to contemplate their manner of vision, which, as it is very differing from that of biocular animals, so is it not less admirable. That each of these pearls or hemispheres is a perfect eye, I think we need not doubt, if we consider only the outside or figure of any one of them. For they being each of them covered with a transparent protuberant cornea, and containing a liquor within them, resembling the watery or glassy humours of the eye, must necessarily refract all the parallel rays that fall on them out of the air into a point not far distant within them, where, in all probability, the retina of the eye is placed, and that opacious, dark, and mucous inward coat that I formerly showed, I found to subtend the concave part of the cluster, is very likely to be that tunicle or coat, it appearing through the microscope, to be placed a little more than a diameter of those pearls below, or within the tunica cornea. And if so, then is there in all probability a little picture or image of the objects without, painted or made at the bottom of the retina, against every one of those pearls, so that there are as many impressions on the retina or apacus skin as there are pearls or hemispheres on the cluster. But because it is impossible for any protuberant surface whatsoever 
whether spherical or other, so to refract the rays that come from far remote lateral points of any object as to collect them again and unite them each in a distinct point, and that only those rays which come from some point that lies in the axis of the figure produced are so accurately refracted to one and the same point again, and that the lateral rays, the further they are removed, the more imperfect is their refracted confluence. It follows, therefore, that only the picture of those parts of the external objects that lie in, or near, the axis of each hemisphere are discernibly painted, or made on the retina of each hemisphere, and that therefore each of them can distinctly sensate or see only those parts which are very near perpendicularly opposed to it, or lie in or near its optic axis. Now, through there, may be by each of those eye-pearls a representation to the animal of a whole hemisphere, in the same manner as in a man's eye there is a picture or sensation in the retina of all the objects lying almost in a hemisphere. Yet, as in a man's eye also, there are but some very few points which lying in or near, the optic axes are distinctly discerned. So there may be multitudes of pictures made of one object in the several pearls, and yet but one, or some very few that are distinct. The representation of any object that is made in any other pearl, but that which is directly or very near directly opposed being altogether confused and unable to produce a distinct vision. So that we see that though it has pleased the all-wise Creator to endue this creature with such multitudes of eyes, yet has he not endued it with the faculty of seeing more than other creature. For whereas this cannot move his head, at least can move it very little, without moving his whole body, biocular creatures can, in an instant, or the twinkling of an eye, which being very quick, is vulgarly used in the same signification, move their eyes so as to direct the optic axis to any point, nor is it probable that they are able to see attentively at one more time more than one physical point. For though there be a distinct image made in every eye, yet it is very likely that the observing faculty is only employed about some one object for which they have most concern. Now, as we accurately distinguish the sight or position of an object by the motion of the muscles of the eye, requisite to put the optic line in a direct position, and confusedly by the position of the imperfect picture of the object at the bottom of the eye, so are these crustaceous creatures able to judge confusedly of the position of objects by the picture or impression made at the bottom of the opposite pearl, and distinctly by the removal of the attentive or observing faculty from one pearl to another, but what this faculty is, as it requires another place, so a much deeper speculation. Now, because it were impossible, even with this multitude of eyeballs, to see any object distinct, for, as I hinted before, only those parts that lay in, or very near, the optic lines could be so. The infinitely wise Creator 
has not left the creature without the power of moving the head a little in aerial crustaceous animals, and the very eyes also in crustaceous sea animals, so that by these means they are enabled to direct some optic line or other against any object, and by that means they have the visive faculty as complete as any animal that can move its eyes. Distances of objects also, it is very likely, they distinguish, partly by the consonant impressions made in some two convenient pearls, one in each cluster, for, according as those congruous impressions affect, through pearls nearer approach to each other, the nearer is the object, and the farther they are distant, the more distant is the object, partly also by the alteration of each pearl, requisite to make the sensation or picture perfect, for it is impossible that the pictures of two objects, variously distant, can be perfectly painted, or made on the same retina, or bottom of the eye not altered, as will be very evident to any one that shall attentively consider the nature of refraction. Now, whether this alteration may be in the figure of the cornea, in the motion of access or recess of the retina towards the cornea, or in the alteration of a crystalline humour, if such there be, I pretend not to determine, though I think we need not doubt, but that there may be as much curiosity of contrivance and structure in every one of those pearls as in the eye of a whale or elephant, and the Almighty's fiat could as easily cause the existence of the one as the other. And as one day and a thousand years are the same with him, so may one eye and ten thousand. This we may be sure of, that the filaments, or sensitive parts of the retina, must be most exceedingly curious and minute, since the whole picture itself is such. What must needs the component parts be of that retina, which distinguishes the part of an object's picture, that must be many millions of millions less than that in a man's eye? And how exceeding curious and subtile must the component parts of the medium that conveys light be, when we find the instrument made for its reception or refraction to be so exceedingly small. We may, I think, from this speculation be sufficiently discouraged from hoping to discover, by any optic or other instrument, the determinate bulk of the parts of the medium that conveys the pulse of light, since we find that there is not less accurateness shown in the figure and polish of those exceedingly minute lenticular surfaces than in those more large and conspicuous surfaces of our own eyes. And yet, can I not doubt but that there is a determinate bulk of those parts, since I find them unable to enter between the parts of Mercury, which being in motion must necessarily have pores, as I shall elsewhere show and here pass by, as being a digression. As concerning the horns, FF, the feelers or smellers, GG, the proboscis, HH, and I, the hairs and bristles, KK, I shall endeavour to describe in the observation 42. End of chapter 44